looking to have some family fun, join Western Outdoor News for the 17th annual Trout Fest at Big Bear Lake, October 1st and 2nd. We have some incredible prizes up for grabs, including Suzuki outboards and Sea Eagle boats. Plus, we have tons of tackle to give away, big cash payouts, and much, much more. All just for catching trout, which shouldn't be a problem thanks to a huge stocking just prior to the event. Based out of Big Bear Marina, Trout Fest 2022 kicks off with check-in on Friday, September 30th, followed by two days of fishing and fun on Saturday and Sunday, October 1st and 2nd. We have an award ceremony on Sunday and prize drawings for everybody, even if you don't catch a fish. Head to wonews.com slash tournaments to find out more about this popular family-friendly tournament and register today for a free goodie bag at registration. That's wonews.com slash tournaments for everything you need to know to get in on the Trout Fest at Big Bear Lake on October 1st and 2nd, 2022. They come back Friday, and I'm really looking forward to seeing that fish count because you know they're going to have albacore, you're going to have the big eye, they're probably going to have bluefin, they're probably going to have dorado, they might have yellowfin, maybe yellowtail. It could be one of the most diverse fish counts ever. We're back at the Western Outdoor News podcast. I'm here with Mike Stevens and Ben Harvey Murray from Western Outdoor News. We have a huge week in terms of our news. We have tuna being caught in Northern California. And when I say Northern California, I mean very <laughs> Northern California. Uh, I mean, we're talking Dorado out of Fort Bragg. We are talking Yellowfin out of... Um, out of Shelter Cove. I mean, we're we're far north catching these exotic mm-hmm. uh, game fish, and I as I mean, as long as I've been paying attention to it, I've really never seen anything like this. So this is kind of once in a lifetime fishing that we're reporting on right now. And I know the Intrepid had an incredible story uh, as this the hurricane came last weekend. Stevens, you have the scoop on the Intrepid story. Yeah, that was a story that. Um we came upon Monday when we were putting the paper together. Um, we heard that uh, the Intrepid had an eight-day trip that was supposed to leave Thursday. Um, that trip was, uh, or that Thursday, was just ahead of Tropical Storm K. I think it was just off of Ensenada by then and moving north. So, you know, most of the fleet stayed tied to the dock. If not all the fleet, I'm not sure, but nobody was going out. And rather than reschedule their eight-day, Captain Kavanaugh and the Intrepid uh, headed north. And they steamed all the way um, north of San Francisco for the first part of their trip. And they, I called the office um, Monday when they were still up there, and they had 36 albacore on deck. And they caught 135-pound big-eye tuna. And they still had plenty of time left, so the the storm moved through and 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 left, and they were heading back south, and they were going to have a solid two days to fish off Southern California um, to finish off their trip under optimal conditions. So they come back Friday, and I'm really looking forward to seeing that fish count because you know they're going to have albacore, you're going to have the big eye. They're probably going to have bluefin. They're probably going to have dorado. They 
might have yellowfin, maybe yellowtail. It could be one of the most diverse fish counts ever. Wow. And, you know, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but um, I'm, I'm wondering if this can become like an option for these long range trips, like the middle long range trips, like an eight day mm-hmm. where, I mean, of course, all the, you know, all the elements have to fall in line perfectly, but yeah. to start off a trip catching albacore, which we haven't caught um, in good numbers since the nineties, you know, go up there, catch a good amount of albacore. I mean, maybe a bonus big eye and then come back and do what everybody else is doing. It would, I think that'd be pretty cool. Oh yeah. I mean, it, it really shows that them taking a risk. Well, in this case, it, it, it paid off. They, they weren't exactly sure what they were going to get, but it definitely beat being tied to the dock. So, yeah. uh, obviously those pictures are all, our cover shot is actually this week in Albacore that was caught on that trip, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, it was caught on that. It was caught on that trip. There's several photos of the Albacore. There's a photo of the big guy coming over the rail. And, um, it's just cool when, um, a boat crew will have to make adjustments based on anything. And when they make them drastic and they pay off, like I remember, I don't remember when it was now, two or three years ago when there were questions about the bluefin tuna um, laws in Mexican waters. So all our boats just went further west and they were just going further and further, further west. And it wasn't just the other side of San Clemente Island. It was, um, you know, all the way off of San Diego to places further west of Southern California than they've gone before and successful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a lot of options out there and who knows what's, what else is untapped. Right. You know? Yeah. It's uh, it's an exciting time. And I know, Ben, you were just telling me that the water temperature right now is 73 degrees in Newport right now. Yeah, it's incredible, actually. It's the hottest it's been all year. Hottest I've definitely seen it in probably two or three seasons. Um, and that's really bringing a lot of, a lot of interesting fishing. You know, that fishing is going to be really good. In fact, now I'd say it's really is the peak time to go. Mm-hmm. So you've got lesser crowds, you know, that summer crowds thinning out, all the kids go back to school. Um, but the fish are still there. The water temperature is really nice. I think we're going to have some nice tides in the next two or three weeks as well. So if you're into your surf fishing, get out there. And, you know, recently, for example, um, seen some really big leopard sharks. Uh, you know, kind of upper 50, 50 inch fish, 59, 60 inch fish coming out. So that's a really fun sized fish to go and catch. Um, also a lot of Corbina, obviously. In fact, that storm recently, that, that kind of put a bit of cold water on top of us. Um, definitely in Orange County, but that recovered very, very quickly. And that big kind of southerly south to north current dragged a whole lot of warm water up from, from those lovely warm kind of San Diego waters dumped it right onto the top of our Orange County plate on Orange County beaches. And those are now really warm, lovely conditions, definitely for the next, if I look at the kind of short range forecast for this weekend, um, it looks really, really nice, particularly kind of Saturday, Sunday. So, okay. you know, nice little waves, beautiful warm water, a little bit of current, just what you want. You're going to find loads of sand crabs in that, particularly in that warm water um, and lots of other little bait fish around, which I'm sure bring in the halibut. And, um, you know, like I said, a lot of Corbina as well. Still got some surf perch as well. So that's probably another good option for you guys. Um, and definitely another interesting thing, um, which I had a report of just today and from a very reliable, very good angler. Um, he hooked a yellowtail off the beach oh, around wow. just off LA. Um, we saw a couple of yellowtail, like a small group come in fishing just off some rocks. Um, unfortunately it lost it, but it did some spectacular stuff. So he had a positive ID on it. And actually the same session, he then went and caught two striped bass 
on um, on sand crabs. So, oh wow! So we've got this kind of unique mix of species of yeah. of striped bass, yellowtail, corbina. He also had a corbina in the same session as the saltwater bass. Wow! So um, so William, if you're listening, that's a great catch, mate. Well done. Gosh! So, so we have this crazy stuff going on in the surf. I mean, I don't think I've ever heard of anybody catching a, a striper and a yellowtail in the same no, like, no, we session. The yellowtail didn't make it to the beach, but it was a positive ID. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I'm sure we've experienced, everyone's experienced a bit of yellowtail heartache yeah. listening to this. So unfortunately, that was just his turn to, for that fish to come unbuttoned at just the wrong time. But, you know, like I said, it's pretty impressive. And, you know, maybe mm-hmm. maybe the kind of tackle you're casting off the beach isn't the kind of thing you want to be attached to a nice yellowtail on. Right. So, so, you know, you might have to upgrade your gear a little bit if you're going to not get spooled or get done by one of those right that's quite a serious proposition on a kind of light surf tackle mm-hmm. um but yeah but so there's lots of stuff about loads of corbina loads of leopards um also some big butterfly rays i've you know seen some big ones big shovel nose really big smooth hounds as well so seen quite a few five to ten pound fish and given that the record i think the igfa record is six six seven pounds that's a pretty nice um pretty nice fish so yeah wow so which is great and in fact one of the reasons i'm so happy about this this sort of lovely confluence of conditions and great fishing is that this weekend we have the socal surf bonanza competition which is a really great competition organized um to benefit real warriors foundation Mm -hmm. which helps veterans uh, which is obviously a cause we're all very into yeah and um and they so this weekend i think it's a bit too late to register now but if you're interested you can come down to in fact check out just look up on social media socal surf bonanza that's socal surf bonanza and they'll tell you all about where to go and you know we, we've got a competition on saturday morning so it's six hours competition oh wow and it's the four longest fish and you can measure in halibut, spotfin croaker, yellowfin croaker and any of the surf perch species okay so there's a kind of pot of money for each one and there's also an overall competition for the, I think it's the cumulative length of the four longest fish. Okay. So I think someone who's going to win it with, you know, two or three, four really nice big halibut, mm-hmm. you know, one of those halibut specialists is probably going to take this. Okay. Or maybe a couple of big spotfin, but who knows? Uh, but it's quite a really good competition, really well organized, got loads of great prizes, sponsors are everything from Daiwa to Phoenix and all the big brands getting involved. Mm-hmm. And they've got a really good event Saturday afternoon. Um, one of the, uh, one of the breweries down near Huntington Beach. Lots of food and raffles and so on. And in fact, I think Western Outdoor News was sponsoring the top five places all get a subscription to Western Outdoor News. Excellent. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's going to be a great event. And I think I'm expecting lots of fish to be caught. Um, a lot of, a lot of very happy people. So yeah, looking mm-hmm. forward to that. Okay. Great. Ben, you cut, Ben, you kind of touched on it. Um, when you were talking about the yellowtail, the surf yellowtail and the stripers. And I was going to mention, um, taking, keeping in mind that dorado year we're having the like legendary dorado year we're having locally um and i don't know how the hurricane um affected the water temperatures up here um you mentioned the 73 degree thing i remember in years past when we've had wahoo off orange county you know and random catches of like more trigger fish than usual from you know guys fishing the bottom like on, on the surf side of things, do you expect to see anything out of the ordinary beyond like the occasional surf yellowtail? Um, the, the striper, I don't really, I mean, I would think it would work the other way around for striper. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, water's warmer down here. Maybe I, I would think that would keep them away, but they do always seem to pop up. Yeah. I know. mean, I definitely think there's some spots where they seem to be caught fairly consistently. So obviously that, I think they were planted in the seventies, weren't they? So, um, so obviously that plant has sort of established them in such a way that they probably seem to stay relatively local, maybe do a bit of a run up a whatever sort of estuary or 
bit whatever water they're gonna gonna end up doing some breeding in. So that's maybe that's when they've become really obvious to people. But mm-hmm. they seem to be around a lot of the a lot of the year. Certainly, all year so far, been fairly consistent. Not not every day we're getting reports, but you know one or two every month from people in the know, and we're getting re- really good reports. Um, particularly caught on boats as well as a few people have really got their head around what they're doing before they go swim up those estuaries. So where they're staging, and those guys have done really really well. So that's okay. definitely an interesting fishery. But not such a question, Mike. Are there going to be any weird stuff caught? Well, I think. I remember last time the water temperature got really hot like this, I saw some really weird rays. There was some odd sort of rays that normally live around kind of San Diego and South. I can't remember the exact type of ray. It was a very strange black mm-hmm. kind of thing, not a pelagic ray. It was one of the um, slightly more obscure kind of skate species. But um, but yeah, stuff like that. Also the bonefish, you know. Yeah, who, who I remember knows? that bonefish caught. You caught it, right? Yeah, I've, yeah. I've caught a bonefish off, off LA. Yeah. Definitely not targeted, but one of those nice, um, happy go instants. But, you know, you can see that maybe those bonefish will work their way up and those nice harbor systems where they are present most of the year. They're going to come out of those and have a little feeder maybe in the more open beaches. Mm-hmm. So maybe some of those. And who knows? You know, maybe, maybe some oddities, maybe a yellowtail. Um, you know, just, just who knows? Right. Yeah, the only answer is to get out there and be the one that, Makes yeah. it on the cover with something crazy. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Let's send us those covers. Get those nice upright shots. Yeah. Nice clean upright shots, please, of photo of, uh, and send us to us exclusively at editors at woenews.com. There you go. Uh, so on to the next kind of topic. The, the main topic of the issue this week was the waterfowl preview. So we had an excellent, uh, write up from Tim Hovey to kind of break down all the zones and the, the waterfowl season, the opener and uh, throughout every, um, region. So we have that, uh, article available in this week's issue of Western Outdoor News and at wonews.com. So get all your waterfowl tips and preview items uh, at wonews.com. You guys have anything to add about waterfowl, waterfowl preview? Um, You know, Tim Hovey wrote that, uh, those tips. Um, When he, when he does stories like that, they're always very, very interesting, very helpful. Um, I know a lot of our Northern California readers, um, we get the most may email from North Northern California readers, but you know, it's very popular down here too. Um, you know, I, I don't know if in Southern California it's as popular as like the dove opener. It probably isn't, but it's, it's right up there as far as the hunting that people can do down here. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I, I just put that, um, Tim Hovey story on wonews.com and got to look at it. And it was very interesting. Yeah. Well, we uh, we look forward to seeing those reports as well and seeing some great photos come in as we uh, approach the fall here. And uh, one last topic I wanted to get to was Mike Stevens' knee-deep column this week. It's entitled Food Chain Guilt and Armchair Experts. <laughs> what does that mean? What are you getting at here? Uh, I've been thinking about the, the – originally it was just going to be the food chain guilt part of it. And what I mean by that is – um, you hear it from a lot of the, not so much the anti-hunting and fishing community, but just people who don't participate in it and aren't necessarily anti, mm-hmm. but it's, you know, they, it's in reference to, um, uh, being a fair chase, basically, you know, like deer don't have rifles or you oh, know, right. turkeys don't have shotguns and, and a human is an animal too. Like, it's not our fault 
that we're the ones who evolved to make these tools so we can do this. Um, and if anything, hunters and anglers are, I mean, animals, there's, there's a lot of animals out there that will kill each other for no reason at all, believe it or not. And that's in, that's in my column. I mentioned it. Um, but, uh, hunters and anglers are a step above that because we police ourselves. We have regulations, we have ethics, you know, for the most part. And, and it's just, it was in reaction to a lot of stuff I've been seeing, um, on social media, like people just knee jerk. They see a picture of a dead animal and somebody with a rifle and they go after the hunter or, you know, I mentioned in there in the pull quote, I said, uh, something like a Wahoo doesn't feel guilty that it swims 60 miles an hour and has scalpels for teeth or whatever, mm. you know, every animal is equipped um, to be a hunter, to be a hunter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's if, you know, hunting and fishing are some of the earliest things in human DNA and, and it's throughout the animal kingdom. I mean, those inequalities exist for a reason and it helps preserve the whole balance. Mm-hmm. And we just happen to be at the top. It's just kind of like a great white shark. Quit bragging. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, I tried to make that column fun. I try to make all my columns fun. Um, but you know, I call people out sometimes and make fun of people sometimes. And well here, let me get your guys' perspective on this. I, I saw there's actually been kind of a recent crop of videos online of fish being gaffed at the boat and not being caught. So free gaffed? Free gaffed. Yeah. And I'm always shocked because I see it and I'm like, wow, first of all, what are the odds? This yeah. is why it's incredibly like popular, this video, because yeah. this is incredibly rare. But uh, the feedback, uh, some of the comments were, wow, that's not fair. At least give the fish a shot. And uh, it just made me think for a second and, you know, feel free to share your guys' opinions on that. I mean, what do you what do you guys think of that? I've, se- I've been on boats where it happened, um, both free gaffed or gaffing free swimming fish and also just putting a sardine on the end of the gaff <laughs> and dipping the sardine in there. And um, I don't know. I haven't seen it. I don't think it's out of control. I mean, it's something that happens when a bunch of fish are swarming a boat. Technically, fishing is when a fish willingly takes a baited hook into its mouth. And that's not what's happening when something gets gaffed as it's swimming by. Right. So, I kind of see both sides of it. I don't think it's something that happens often enough to where it's going to make an impact on anything. Um, Obviously, it it has bad optics for, like, the public, Mm -hmm. you know, because they don't know that that's not – what happens every time a boat goes out. <laughs> yeah. You know, but, uh, I, I mean, I, this is the first I've heard of it recently. I haven't noticed videos of that going on, but with all these Dorado around, all these Opa hanging out under the, the one I saw was a Wahoo of all things. Oh, really? Yeah. So <laughs> that's <pretty> impressive. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's the funny thing. You know, you see that and you think, well, okay, that doesn't happen every day. But right. But how, how different is it from spearfishing? Like you're out of the water. <laughs> I mean, well, I was just about to say, so we had that great story, didn't we, last week of Andrew Mack, um, bow hunting. Oh, right. Dorado, right? Sure. So yeah. what's the difference? And well, he got a lot of, he got a lot of credit for, for basically having the having the having the um the gumption to bring his bow and arrow. Oh his yeah, very nice bow. He got a lot of hate on it. Uh, well, he got a little bit. Well, of hate, a little but bit. Mostly it was 
that's really cool. That yes. Was the, that was the overriding kind of theme. There's yeah. a few people who are like, well, screw you, how, you know, but that was a small amount. And like, you know, like Mike said, you're always going to get those people who don't get the overall picture of the fact that probably 99.99% of fish that you see on on deck are like caught legally in yeah. quite a sporting manner and a gaffed legally and again in a sporting manner. So, you know, if there's one swimming by and you happen to have your bow with you, as, as Angie did, and you have the skill to loose that shot and get it, yeah. fair enough. Um, I can't see too much difference ethically between that and free gaffing a fish in the in, opportunity to arrive. Yeah, if it's spear within fishing. your like, limit and you're not just, you know, farming them just for the sake of, right. you know, just catch, how many can you catch kind of thing. Yes. If it's a fish that has a use. And yeah. Go, and it's going to go to someone's, end up on someone's dinner plate. I'm sure with absolutely it, fine. in the Andrew Mack situation, you know, he shot a Dorado with bow fishing gear. Well, when people are bow fishing in freshwater, you can't bow fish for bass and trout and stuff. It's it's kind of the the sub, you know. It's people bow fish for carp, you know, primarily. Yeah. I've a bit of other perspective on that. When I worked for fishing magazines in England, we would frequently get people who send us in photos of a bow hunted carp, because in England, carp are kind of think of a bass. Mm. Think of how well like a. 12 pound bass is treated you know like oh, they mm -hmm. lift it up and they'll be super nice to it and make sure it's carefully returned exactly the same thing for a trophy carp so we've had you know i used to have numerous people would send in or comment on photos of these bow hunted carp obviously from america sometimes maybe from maybe some of the uh maybe some outlying places in europe but they, the outrage was you know ridiculous like they, they would be absolutely horrified that people would bow hunt this beautiful amazing fish blah yeah. blah blah, blah. Mm -hmm. and it's you know well so what so you know it just depends where you are in the world it depends on your perspective doesn't it right yeah, yeah. No, and it does. when we have long, we have long lines and nets and commercial fishing going i mean there's we're talking about one or couple fish per boat not even per boat like <laughs> every once in a while somebody will free gaff a fish but let's talk you know let's talk about bycatch and gill nets and tonnage yeah. of you know these species being wrapped up um, you know, like I said, it, it, it's a bad, it's bad optics here and there, but overall it's not affecting the fisheries at all. Do you know, one of the coolest things I like watching videos of is aerial videos of people spearing swordfish oh, on yeah. those wonderful swordfish boats with a long bow. Yeah. That's one of the coolest, probably the, one of the most skillful things I've seen. Right. Just their ability to spot it and get it in position and Harpoon. feed them as they call the, uh, the bronze anchovy. Hmm. Um, <laughs> so you know that's an incredible incredibly skillful way of taking a fish I can't there's not on paper too much difference between that and free gaffing right because essentially what you're doing is free gaffing it with a very fancy slightly differently formatted gaff <laughs> yeah but it's just pointy instead of curved exactly yeah. and if it's a commercial fishing um, fishing situation no one's going to mention anything no when mm -hmm. they're doing it at a much higher amount <laughs> yeah well, hey, you know what? That's the uh, that's the perspective. I, you know what? I was biting my tongue the whole time with the with Andrew Mack and the the bow fishing uh, for that Dorado. And you know what? I think the difference is, and some of the flack that he got, I think it's the equivalent of peeing in the pool <laughs> versus peeing into the pool. Because if he was in the water swimming yeah. and had a spear gun. Get fair game to nobody some of says, these people that were commenting. Nobody says anything, but we're all doing it. <laughs> he's spearing into the water, mm -hmm. 
that's where you cross a line for some of these commenters. I'm not saying that was everybody's opinion, but some people commenting had yeah. that opinion. So <laughs> that's a good way to put it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, Hey, you know what? Everybody check out this week's issue of Western outdoor news. It's a six September 16th issue. It's available online at wonews.com. And, uh, you know, come fishing with us. We have some charters coming up. We have the Trout Fest that you heard at the beginning of the show. Uh, but our upcoming charters, we have the Pacific Islander two-and-a-half-day trip, October 2nd through the 5th. We have a Barbarossa trip. To, I mean, speaking of Northern California, that's in San Francisco, October 16th. That's just a, a six-pack, so it's a very, very small load. Uh, and then we have a three-day Sea Adventure 80 trip, October 20th through 23rd. So that's all in addition to the Trout Fest at Big Bear, and that is October 1st and 2nd. One more as well. I think that Gale Force Triton trip in early December, mm-hmm. that's going to be a really good one. because it's the a combo, kind of, combo? Yeah, the, the lobster trip. Yeah, the lobster trip. So that's going to be a really good one. You know, we, we, obviously lobster season's coming up mm-hmm. uh, a couple of weeks, so I'm going to have loads of coverage about that. But I just looked earlier and there's lots of spaces left on that. Yes. So that's definitely something if I was interested in, um, you know, a fun evening because it's 11 till midnight, 11 a.m. till midnight. So it's a little little easier maybe for those of us who have, you know, families and so on, mm-hmm. can't get out there early morning. Yeah. Um, so that's going to be a great one to look out for if you're into lobster fishing because you're going to be fishing with professionals. So right. probably a good a good educational experience for yeah, good any wannabe lobster fishermen out there. Yeah, and, and speaking of lobster, next week we have a lobster expert from the CDFW to uh, discuss what we can look forward to in the next season. And she has some interesting insight on uh, some things you may not have known about lobsters. So uh, stay tuned for next week in our lobster preview. And uh, thanks for listening to the Western Outdoor News Podcast. Mm-hmm.